Welcome to And the Band Played On with Orchestra Next, a podcast for the pandemic. The music you just heard is titled The Snow Queen, composed by Kenji Bunch, performed by Orchestra Next. Today I'm joined by Molly Barth. Molly Barth is constantly in motion. This Grammy Award-winning flutist, professor, and clinician moves effortlessly from concert hall to teaching studio to rehearsal room to orchestral section. Molly needs fuel for this fire. Molly is fueled by visceral communication with listeners. The halls may be large or small, the music may be old or new, but the performances are always concentrated intense. Molly is fueled by the smell of wet ink and spark of chamber music. Molly has premiered hundreds of pieces, finding the creation of new music uplifting and miraculous. Molly has toured the world, recorded a dozen albums, and with 8th Blackbird, won a Grammy Award. Molly is co-founder of The Zone Collective, a group of curious musicians who share a love of risk and exploration. Molly is fueled by her work as a teacher. Molly is associate flute professor at the Blair School of Music at Vanderbilt University, and Molly guides her students to become comprehensive flutists. Molly took her inspiration primarily from her stellar teachers at Oberlin, the Cincinnati Conservatory, and Northwestern. Molly is fueled by her desire to document her adventures as a performer. You can hear Molly's blend of control and ferocity on these featured albums. Vento Appassionato, digging into 20th century solo flute repertoire. Thorn, focusing on the chamber music of David Lang. And Castillos di Viento, performing intimate music with guitar. I personally had the great pleasure of collaborating with Molly in a project called Beta Collide, which out of the many new music projects I have been a part of in my career, clearly stands out in my mind as the best example of a band that is values-driven, collaborative, and inspiring, while somehow avoiding any hint of toxicity. She has a new online performance coming up. The show is called Ineffable, and it will open on December 13th on Molly's YouTube channel. You can find the links in the episode description and also at mollybarth.com. Molly, welcome to And the Band Played On. Thank you so much, Brian. It's really great to connect with you today. I really miss you. I miss you a lot these days, and I think about you a lot. Um, how, how is everything going? Everything's going very well. We're in our last week at the Blair School of Music. We had all of our teaching in person for the semester. Uh, as a super aerosol spreader that says a lot. Uh, <laughs> we endured <laughs> weekly uh, COVID tests and uh, somehow uh, the students and I all, all ended up on the other end of the semester with, um, with a great deal of success. Is uh, that really true? You're taking weekly COVID tests? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Which, which was a great comfort to me and to the students. Uh, it just... It gave me a degree of assurance that we were doing things right. Uh, we were teaching in the biggest classrooms and uh, just keeping our, our our safety measures very dear to heart. Uh, it worked out quite well. So that's a school rule, This the, these weekly tests? 
for the wind, brass, voice, uh, accompanists, uh, all the teachers and students, well, all of the students and all the teachers that are considered uh, more at risk. So uh, I can't tell you how much it meant to me to see my students in person every single week. It was a lifeblood for me this year. Um, I, I felt so connected to them and to their their progress during the semester and so committed to being with them in person. Yeah, that in-person thing I have been missing. I haven't done any in-person teaching. Um, and I'm glad to hear that you are finding that to be, it sounds like, rejuvenating. It truly was. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about this new show you have coming up, Ineffable. Uh, I'm very excited about it. I was trying to figure out how to keep my musical life relevant and inspired uh, during 2020. Uh, it, all of us took a, a hit uh, emotionally. I, I think it's safe to say that, that it was a very emotionally trying year for every musician who, who has lived through 2020. And for me, uh, I looked at the pile of solo flute works that were on my music stand and started thinking, well, this is a real opportunity for me to uh, just look inward and create music by myself. And then uh, I have had a history of, of creating music videos. Brian knows more than anyone else <laughs> about that. And um, while I was uh, practicing these solo flute works, I was also trying to envision where I could make videos to showcase each of these works. Um, 2020, I had um, many clouds with many silver linings, and I was looking for those silver linings. And uh, some of the silver linings that I was finding had to deal with that music that was on my music stand. Uh, a piece by Andre Myers that was written in 2001, Andre and I met uh, in 2000 and uh, his solo flute piece titled Falling Skyward uh, is is a really beautiful work uh, that I had been meaning to, to play for a long time and I'm, I'm illustrating his work for a number of reasons. I just posted it on my website today so it's available um, sorry, on my YouTube channel today. So it's available starting today for people to, to look at. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess that, that would be starting a, a couple of days ago at this point. Mm. Um, and Andre is uh, a composer whose work needs to be uh, heard. It's just, it's just so beautiful. Um, and I have chosen to highlight a number of composers works uh, and these composers are are people who fall under categories that for better or for worse have been you know we 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 as a culture are showcasing the music over over hundreds of years of of uh, you know European white male descent yeah. uh, and there are so many composers that don't fall under that category and uh, so um, I think it's just it's 
again, one of the, the wonderful things about 2020 is that we have been encouraged to look into the repertoire that we showcase. Uh, and that's part of what I've done. Uh, and I think that it's been quite convenient for me that the pieces that happen to be on my music stand are also pieces that, uh, that you know, just need to be heard by a broader public uh, in the year 2020. Well, let's listen to this first movement. So this is, this is a piece, I was talking about a piece by Andre Myers, and now we're going to be listening to the first movement uh, of a piece by Adolphus Hailstork. Flute Set is the piece that Brian McWhorter, I believe, has on his docket for performance right now. Is that I true? I do. That's it's right. Um, Adolphus Hailstork is Professor Emeritus uh, at Old Dominion University. Uh, and again, his piece was, uh, uh, he's a composer that I have been very, very excited about for a number of years. Uh, his, his repertoire is, um, it highlights many of the, the events of the last uh, few decades, actually, um, events that, that are very important in our uh, in our history that maybe don't get the, the front page news as much as they need to um, because, uh, again, these are very touchy subjects. These are very um, difficult subjects for our, our nation to be addressing. And Adolphus Hailstork does a very good job of bringing into the world of music many of the difficult events that we uh, need to address in our culture. So Adolphus Hellstork, the first movement of his piece called Flute Set is uh, what Brian will play now. I know that playing. <laughs> That's so it's so great to hear you. It's really great. Oh my goodness! Thank you. You have this um, 
I think it's fair to describe it as unshakable determination and dedication. Um, where does that come from, if you agree? Uh, <laughs> uh, that's a really good question. Where does it come from? Uh, I've always had it as long as I can remember. My parents can probably attest to that as well. Uh, no, I think it's just we, we go for, we have goals in our minds and we do everything we can to achieve those goals. Uh, I think that that's, that's something that I, I live by. Uh, I mean, can you help it? No. <laughs> I get an idea in my head and it, it once the idea gets into my head, it, it, certain ones filter out and maybe they're not the good ideas and other ones I think just take hold and they have to, they have to come to fruition. It's it's really it's something to hear you and I can just hear your I don't know how to describe it exactly but you uh, I'm imagining you playing I'm imagining seeing you playing in this piece so far it's not that you don't blink but you have this kind of attention that it's as if you're not blinking while you're playing you know like you are just all in. I mean, the world could be crashing down around you and that would not shake you. You would be in. And it's not to say that it's a hard in or a, like, a, uh, I mean, you're playing this, these lovely phrases. Really? I mean, you sound beautiful. Somehow you are in that mode. I just don't know very many people that are, are like you, Molly, and I'm looking for an explanation. <laughs> you know, I music is my voice. I have trouble speaking clearly sometimes. I, I have trouble writing clearly sometimes. But when I get into the world of music, uh, it, it enables me to express my thoughts, my desires, my feelings. Uh, and I think that's why 2020 once COVID hit, it became so difficult for me. I found that my voice was being, uh, it wasn't as easy to communicate anymore. And so when I found this solo flute project, when I discovered that that was something that would, that would invigorate me, um, I just, I ran with it because I, I do need music to express myself. And music is where I, time can, can go away for a little while because I'm, I'm focused on, on my, my musical goals. So it allows, it allows me to just focus and not feel like I'm sent in all sorts of other emotional directions. Well, we're certainly the beneficiaries of that. Um, what's the second movement about? Uh, what's it about? I want, I, I really think it's important for the audience to, to answer that question. So mm -hmm. What is the second movement about? What I, the way I'm going to answer that is if someone listening has an idea of what the second movement is about to them, I'd love to know. Uh, send me an email, send me a Facebook message, something like that, so that I know what you're thinking. What is the second movement about? Here, here.
Wow. I I can't wait for someone. I hope someone will um, write to you. And I'm expecting that you'll also send that to me because I need to see it. I just need to see this reaction. But I, I love that invite that you just put out there for someone to write to you and let you know what they think that second movement is about. Yeah, or the third movement or the for any of the movements. I'd love to know. Yeah, I, sometimes it's interesting to me to to pose that sort of a question and then to see if, if my thoughts when I was performing are at all in line with people's thoughts as they're listening. And it's fine if they're not, and it's fine if they are. It's just uh, how does music speak to us and what are our intentions when we're communicating um, and how is that communication received? It's a very right. interesting thing. It is very interesting. And I'll say with this podcast, you know, what we've often been doing is pairing performances with sort of members of the community. So we get to hear like what, how they're hearing, um, what, how they're listening to music and what their reactions are. And it's been really surprising to me. Um, it's made me reflect. And I suppose this is one of the gifts that I'm experiencing with 2020, although there's many non-gifts of 2020, which I don't think we need to get into necessarily. But it's made me realize that I haven't really been listening to the audience as much as I had hoped. Um, something along those lines. There's, or it's it's inspired me to listen more to them. Which is funny, right? I mean, we're the ones making sound. <laughs> But just hearing how they are hearing is um, interesting. Right. Who is our audience? What does our audience seek um, now and in the future? Uh, how do we as musicians play into the, the needs and desires of the audience? Um, we have our own needs as musicians, and we also, we also do, I hope, <laughs> connect viscerally with our audience. So you mentioned that, you know, music is your voice. You need music in order to express yourself. And that perhaps you kind of hinted, I think, that music is uh, uh, some sort of a salve for you. Um, tell me about some of the trying parts of your year. Uh trying to guide my students as they try to think about their futures in music. Uh, I think that our students, um, people that are in their late teens, early to mid twenties, uh, are people that can see uh, the, the long road ahead. Uh, I think the, the short road is, is scary and bleak uh, in, in the world of music. Uh, 2020 has not been kind to arts organizations in large part. Um, but I do think that there's, as long as there are human beings on the planet, there is a future in music and there is a need for music and for students to realize that and to take the long approach and think about how they as community members who make music can uh, also sustain themselves through music. That's where it becomes it becomes a difficult question, and 2020 has brought that question to to light more than any other year in which I've been a teacher and, and a mentor. Uh, so we always have needed to be creative in our approach to uh, to the future of music, but now more than ever, 
Um, so that's that's been a challenge uh, to try to at least think about uh, forecasting towards the future of music. And your approach, at least what I'm hearing, is totally Molly. Uh, your approach is to dive into the music, um, maybe even more, um, or at least showcase this unshakable determination and dedication, I think, that you always had. Uh, but it's, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm a little surprised to hear it, because um, I think most people are, in their performances, I think these days are I don't, I don't mean to uh, criticize, and it's not really a criticism, but that, that determination that they might have had is, is prone to being shaken up. Um, I'm, I'm, it's inspiring for me to hear the way you're playing right now um, and just, just maintaining that level, I think, is um, it's quite something. It's, it's kind of moving for me to hear. Shall we listen to the third movement? That sounds great. Thank you, Ben. You know what I was thinking about with that? Um, in collaborating with you and in playing chamber music with you, I remember one time, it might have been with the Silvestrov that we recorded, which I have fond memories of. Um, but I remember going over to your stand and being so surprised at how many things you had written on your page. <laughs> all the notes, like all, I mean, it... It was terrifying to me, um, just because that um, you know I I rarely write anything on my music, and you were kind of the polar opposite of that. 
Um, and somehow I was always surprised at how you could manage to make such beautiful music with having so much information on, on the page. <laughs> Tell me about your, your practice of writing stuff on your page. That's a good question. We all have different approaches to that. Um, I think for me, it's, it's much like everything else in my life. If I write it down, it helps me to clear my brain from it in, in a way. I, I have it down on paper. I have targeted points to address when I'm practicing a piece. Um, and I can rely on my notes to help me through the practicing process. Um, and I think I, I could, I, I know that by the time the performance happens, I could just use a blank piece, you know, a piece of paper that, that has just the notes and not all of my, my little, uh, annotations. Um, I could still perform the piece without those notes. Um, but it's just about the process of learning it's almost like a diary, uh, of, of your practice, right? Right. It, it is. Yeah. I, I always liked looking at your, I mean, it was terrifying because I it really actually, it wasn't, it was terrifying to me because I thought, Oh, I must be doing something wrong. <laughs> like on my page, there's a, a striking lack of any added material, <clears throat> which makes me wonder after looking at yours, did I even practice what I was supposed to be practicing? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, well, what I was thinking when I was listening to that movement uh, was the wonderful guidance that you had given me through uh, past recording sessions with you acting as a producer for uh, David Lang's album, for instance. Um, and then I was thinking also about the wonderful guidance that I received in in uh, this piece that you've all been listening to by Adolphus Hellstork. Um, Jeff Coffin was my uh, sound engineer and producer for, for this piece and for the piece by Andre Myers and a piece by Catherine Hoover that also appears on my Ineffable concert. Um, Jeff Coffin is a saxophonist, toured for a long time with Bella Fleck and the Flecktones. Uh, right now tours, well, <laughs> tours. Yeah, right. Is in projects with uh, Dave Matthews Band, and um, he's my colleague at the Blair School of Music. And Jeff and I have gotten to know each other quite well. He's just a, an amazing individual, uh, amazing musician and collaborator. And uh, uh, yeah, and he does things just like you did, Brian. You know, just very, very tactfully and gently says things like, do you? think that maybe if you took a deeper breath there that that high f sharp would have a more rich tone and yes jeff thank you for pointing out to me that i'm taking shallow breaths um, uh, and so he's almost my my teacher in, right. in 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 his role as producer of of these pieces so um it's just much appreciated to have have someone looking out for me well you're all you're uh a collaborator at heart and and i i know that when i was acting as a producer for a few things of, of yours i i felt the same level of collaboration in when i was in the recording booth just giving you notes or whatever and you were just playing solo on stage or i, I felt the same level of collaboration as i did playing next to you when we were doing different things it, it felt like chamber music somehow and I think that's one of the things that you pull focus to in your body of work. Even when you're just playing solo, it somehow feels collaborative. Um, and I think 
that's that's quite a gift you've got. I'll I'll just leave it there. That is, it's quite something to to hear that, and um, I feel very very fortunate to have been able to collaborate with you over the years. Likewise, Brian. <laughs> so let's listen to this last movement. Marvelous. <clears throat> You're so kind. <laughs> well, it's really a, a pleasure to hear you. I'm curious, um, you know, you talked a little bit about the advice that you give to your students. And, you know, I, I'm not terribly surprised by your advice. It, it seems to fit with, like, your heart, at least insofar as I understand you. Um. I wonder what advice you give to professionals right now who are struggling. You know, perhaps they've been out of school for a few years and they had higher hopes for a field that would support them, particularly in this time. I I know that you must be talking to some of your former students who have graduated that are out in the field and all that. What what are you telling them? Oh, it's so difficult. Everyone has chosen a different path uh, before 2020 that's led them to a different situation during 2020, things that nobody would have uh, forecasted. Um, And so it's leaving some people in in really, really, really difficult situations right now. Um, And it's making people make some really difficult decisions uh, because they need to put you know, food on the table and pay their rent or their mortgages. Um, so, you know, the orchestral world, for instance, has been thrown a terrible, terrible uh, situation right now. Um, so are those people, um, you know, many of them are, are finding enough to sustain them and taking the long path towards uh, towards thinking about once we do get to the other end of, of this um financial difficulty that, that COVID has dealt us all. Uh, not to say anything about the, the health, ter- terrible uh, situation that we're in. Uh, there's no answer for a lot of it right now. Um, time will tell. And uh, I think if people can keep the, the musical, their, their musical life uh, relevant, even if that is in a very insular, very intimate way, keeping, keeping music in their own lives, with family, with friends, with a, a small community. Um, how can people get out and, and reach a broader community? That's what I'm trying to do through my solo flute music, um, because we just, we don't have an audience that we can see in person at this point. So um, I just, I 
urge everyone to ask themselves what they can do to, so that they can see to the other end of this um, musically, spiritually, um, community, you know, as far as community goes. Uh, but right now to look inward and to sustain themselves musically from their heart. It's so hard. Well, it's brilliantly put and good advice. <clears throat> so my last question is, when are you going to release a Christmas album? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good question. I'll ponder that. And I'll let other people who have, have the inclination to do so proceed well, <laughs> in, in, in the creation of Christmas albums. Well, surely you have, you know, Thanksgiving is over. So I'm assuming that you immediately put on some Christmas music in the house. Is that, is um, that possible? Honestly, yes. We were just listening to the Johnny Cash Christmas a couple nights ago. What a there you go. Yep. <laughs> I love that. Nineteen seventy seven. He's just he's got yeah, the, the the check it out online. Will do. Will do. Well, Molly, it's been a pleasure. Your show, Ineffable, will open on December thirteenth on your YouTube channel. And you can find those links in the episode description and at mollybarth.com. Molly, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. It's been a just a, a lovely, lovely moment in my day to talk to you. So thank you. Likewise, Brian. It's always wonderful to speak with you. And I'm looking forward to this show, the ineffable show, starting on December 13th. Thank you. A few years ago, and just as Molly was leaving Eugene, I wrote some incidental music for a theatrical adaptation of Ursula Le Guin's The Left Hand of Darkness. This was a production that was put on by the University Theatre, and it was directed and adapted by John Schmore. I thought I'd close this episode with the recording of the play's theme, which features Molly. <laughs>